You're listening to the Q's Podcast, episode 108. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is the forum where we take cues on the go and connect you with credit union industry leaders, as well as cross industry experts for a wide range of perspectives on trends and topics relevant to you. I'm your host, James Lenz, Q's Professional Development Manager. Our guest for today is Matt Fulbrook. Matt is the manager of the David and Sharon Johnston Center for Corporate Governance at the Rotman School of Management at the University of Toronto in downtown Toronto, Canada. Today we'll dive into one of my favorite topics, board governance and leadership. In my role as professional development manager, I've been fortunate to have been part of a lot of conversations with board members and conversations with board chairs from a variety of asset sizes and geographic locations. I've designed learning experiences for board members and CEO and board chair exchanges. I've worked in partnership with best-selling authors, global consultants, speakers, and top business school professors. I've found it both captivating and fascinating to research characteristics that identify a moderate impact board and characteristics that are identifying of a high performing board. What is the difference between what a high performing board focuses on and what a moderate impact board may not focus on? What makes high performing boards more effective than low impact or moderate impact boards? Some of the answers may be obvious, of course, but some of the answers may not be so obvious. And it's these subtleties, these points of distinction that often draw my study and attention. This podcast episode is focused on board education, board decision-making, board leadership, and ultimately delivering the best in service to your organization and your members. We'll also use this Q's podcast forum to share with you a -a one-of-a-kind upcoming industry-specific professional development offering. In April of this year, we are launching the Q's High Performing Board Digital Series. It's different due to its modular learning design, its use of delivery channels, the selection of best-in-class instructors, and its ability to build a community of learners all across the globe. Discover how you and your board can work to the best of its abilities and become a driving force for the success of your credit union. Find out more and register at cues.org HPB. But let me ask you the question, what do you think is the most important indicator of a high-performing board. This episode will give you the opportunity to reflect on your response and also the very interesting response delivered by today's guest, Matt Fulbrook. Welcome, Matt. Thank you for spending time with Q's Podcast Nation. Hey, James. How's it going? Great to have you again. This is the third time you served as guest on the show. It means a lot that you're here. You brought such great value to the show in the past. Back in episode 24, we discussed the topic of board compensation. I know people are still talking about that and listening to the episode. In episode 85, you and Michael Daniel, the CEO and co-founder of Quantum Governance, joined forces to discuss the recent State of Credit Union Governance 2020 report. That report revealed the results from a survey of credit union board, supervisory committee members, and executive leadership aimed to answer the question, how are credit union boards performing? Matt, can you tell us a little bit about what you do as manager of the David and Sharon Johnston Center for Corporate Governance Innovation at the Rotman School of Management in Toronto and as a board effectiveness consultant at Fulbrook Board Effectiveness? 
Yeah, thanks, James. So my governance life is, as you say, is kind of in two chunks. I spend most of my days while no longer in the office, while the, while everything's locked down. But my day job at the Johnston Center, which is at the Rotman School of Management here at the University of Toronto, is we spend all of our time kind of vacuuming up as much data about boards and executives and governance and organizational decision making as we can to generate, for, on the one hand, scientifically credible data that we can share with the smart people in the university, but also to create, whether it's tools or course curriculum or insights or whatever it is that boards and managers can actually use to try to do their jobs a little bit better and make better decisions in their organizations. And that, as you might imagine, feeds really nicely into that other chunk of my life, which is as an advisor to boards, right? I get hired by boards in all sectors to do anything from sort of sit down with them for a day and help them sort of see what some of the emerging important trends are in governance all the way through to working with certain organizations for many years as their governance models evolve over time. And as you might imagine, having access to a significant amount of really cool up-to-date data can make that really much more powerful and much more relevant. And likewise, the opportunity to be in boardrooms with real people actually doing this stuff provides a really important practical context to the research that we do at the Johnston Center. That kind of leads to my next question. How critical do you believe board education is to the success of an organization? Yeah. So it's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give you an annoying answer first and then a, a sensible answer second. <laughs> um, my, my first answer is when we're talking about organizational success and governance, I think it's, it's really difficult to make a clear, compelling, direct tie. I mean, we all know that, that governance is essential. Good governance is essential to, to organizational success. But it's hard to say, well, if you do A, B, and C with respect to governance, then your credit union is going to be great. I mean, it just doesn't work that way. So I, I want to avoid saying that board education is going to make your credit union great because it's just not that simple. That said, let's put it this way. Most people, when they join a board for the first time, no one's ever given them an opportunity to really understand, first of all, what exactly is the job, right? What does a director do on the one hand? On the other hand, what's a board for? But even most importantly, and I think this is where we're going today, is how do we take that role as a director and turn it into something that has the potential to create something of tremendous value for the organization, right? Myself and as a group and as and the way that, that boards support managers. And there's really, it's, it's very difficult for anyone to kind of create that themselves, right? And there's also no need for us to reinvent the wheel. So the reality is, and here's where I think that the education part is really important, is gives directors an opportunity on the one hand, to be in a room, whether it's virtual or in person, with other people who are going through something like what they, what you're going through. So you get to, first of all, you feel like you're not alone, but second of all, you get to learn from their successes and mistakes. But also you, you get access to people, educators, and so on, who have been thinking about this and have created and explored solutions that you may never have thought about that give you an opportunity to bring that back into your credit union, not just because you want to implement it 
without any criticism, without any thought, but it gives you a whole new toolkit to bring back to your board and think about how are we going to implement this in a way that is going to empower our credit union to be better for its members on an ongoing basis. So it, it, it really, what I'm saying is it opens up a whole universe of new tools and insights and opportunities for your board to do things in new and better ways. Well said. That's the golden opportunities is application of those things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're touching on two things I think that are really, I'm a little bit of a broken record on. One being the potential value of education as a director is really undermined if you don't go back into the room and make an effort to ensure that it has an impact. So I think that takes a couple of things. One, it takes the discipline while you're actually participating in that education to think about ways that you you think it might enhance your own performance as a director and it might enhance the performance of your board as a whole. And then second of all, you need to go back to your board and share it, not just as a checklist saying, I learned A, B, C, and D. There's my book report on my uh, my education experience, but rather to say, I'd like to have a conversation about how we can take what I learned and use it to make our board better. Here are my ideas, but let's let's make sure that we use this to enhance our performance on an ongoing basis. The, the second thing is, and I loved your point that it's not the same for every board. I often say uh, I reject the term best practice when it comes to governance. I don't think there's any single behavior that is going to work for every organization And maybe more importantly, there's no single behavior that's going to work great for you today and five years from now and 10 years from now. So it's really a process of ongoing education. So education, I think we need to think of it not as an event, but as a journey. And that's because governance likewise is not an event, but a journey. There are so many elements that fall under the umbrella of board governance. However, in as few words as possible, how would you define board governance? I, I will, in a second, give you my, my answer because I do have a very short, uh, I like to call it pithy answer, but I'm going to give you a bit of a preamble before I give you my answer. I'm going to give a non-credit union example. I, for example, I, I get the chance to work sometimes with founders of significant businesses. And, and a lot of the time, these companies, they grow quickly and they get really sophisticated. And no matter how big or complex these organizations get, a lot of the time these business owners will be really nervous about the, even just the word governance, because to them, it means bureaucracy. It means it's going to slow them down. It means it's going to be more expensive. And more importantly, it means they're going to lose control, right? Because they're going to be bringing in outside people that are going to, they're going to have influence over the way that things happen in the organization. And I often will react when they say these things or when they, when they tell me that they, they don't like governance, I say to them, well, I'd like to make the argument that you have governance already, right? That governance isn't about a board. It isn't about a CEO. It isn't about regulation or bureaucracy or process or policies or any of that. I'm going to finally answer your question. To me, governance is just the way that decisions get made in an organization. That's it. And decisions are going to get made whether you have a good or bad board or whether you have a board at all. They're going to get made whether you have a good or bad CEO. 
the decisions get made and that's governance. What's good governance? Well, that really depends. And now we're back to that whole thing of best practice looks like something different from one organization to the next. So if we think about governance as it's just the way that we make decisions in our credit union, then it becomes a little bit more interesting and exciting to explore, okay, well, how are we, this group of people in this organization, going to make the best decisions possible? And that's good governance. There is no one single recipe for having a high-performing board, but what do you believe are critical components of a high-performing board? Can you elaborate on some characteristics and elements of a high-performing board? So I, I really think if there's any universal thing, and again, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I've said a couple of times that I reject best practice, but there is, I think, one box that I like to to see boards tick, which is to be very routinely and deeply self-critical and curious. And here's what I mean. There's the, the worst reason to do something as a board is because it's the way you've always done it. Um, that doesn't mean that you should stop doing something because you've always done it that way. But it does mean that if the only reason you're doing it is because you've always done it that way, that's insufficient. So what you need to do is you need to ask yourself, are the things that we do as a board any good? And, and prove it to yourself. So ask yourself every once in a while, are our board agendas any good? What are the things that we could do better? What are the things that we spend time on that we get a lot of value out of? And what are the things that we maybe don't get a lot of value out of? Let's have, have a conversation. And don't accept everything's fine as an answer because there's always an opportunity to improve. So in, in short, when I meet boards that have a tendency or a routine or a curiosity around ongoing improvement, they tend to be the ones that are generating the most value when it comes to decision-making because they are really committed to creating systems and processes and structures and having conversations and, and building the composition of the board in ways that are really adding value. And when they're not adding value, they identify it and they adjust. So there's the box to tick, in my opinion, is the most important indicator of a high-performing board is that they're curious about what they can do better tomorrow than they're doing today. That is wonderful. And this comes from someone who does this day in and day out. So the carefully chosen words that you just used, I think, are a great outline for parameters of what a high-performing board looks like. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Cues is offering the High Performing Board Digital Series, which will allow credit union directors to take a deep dive, look into ways to improve overall board performance, and also gain insights on ways to up their governance game. We developed this digital series using research conducted on highly successful boards that are functioning at peak level. By examining how things are done and optimal performance and learning from leading thinkers on governance and strategy, credit union directors will be able to apply the lessons to their own processes. This series is divided into eight seminars presented quarterly over a two-year period. I'm happy to announce that you, Matt Fulbrook, will be serving as the academic director for the two-year program. Matt, can you shed some light 
on some insights about the program and about your role in the Q's High Performing Board digital series? Yeah. So first of all, I'm really grateful to have been invited to be a part of this. I think there's a lot of different pieces of the program that make it special. Uh, one of the things that we hear, especially for these programs that, that go on on a modular basis over a longer period of time, is if you ask afterward the participants, what are the things you really liked about the program? They, they, usually they'll say, well, number one was the people I met. Number two was the people I met. Number three was the people I met. And, you know, number nine was that guy, Matt, was kind of cool kind of thing. And so the, I think what I'm trying to emphasize here is this really great opportunity to spend a significant amount of calendar time, right? It goes over the span of two years where you get the chance to build relationships with people from other organizations who you likely never would have had the opportunity to interact with. And to build those relationships in the context of a highly focused, relevant educational environment on a topic that is really a bullseye for everyone in the room. And you'll get to hear a little bit about what they're going through. You'll have opportunities to build relationships so that you can interact with them outside the classroom. So anyway, what I'm saying is, James, I think one of the great benefits of a program that is in this style is the people who participate have this amazing opportunity to grow their network of people who are going through similar things to them. So that's that's number one. Number two is I really like, and, and this is something that I, I really emphasize for credit unions when I'm working with them, is I like that Q's has built a faculty of people who are not necessarily just credit union people. I think it's really important for credit union boards and executives to accept that there are solutions and insights out there that have been tested and deployed outside the credit union system that are still entirely relevant to credit union boards and managers. And I think it's extraordinarily valuable to have faculty in the room who have expertise beyond the, the credit union system that you can bring in and modify so that they're relevant to your organization. And, and the faculty are really cool, extremely accomplished and talented. And you asked about my role. My role is really to, to be the glue, right? I'm the, the consistent face in every single session and the person who will help in the cases where some of the faculty members maybe don't have that direct credit union experience, I'm going to be able to help to bring that credit union context into the room and make sure that it's clear to everybody how this applies to you and how you can implement it and how you can use it in your own life as a credit union board member or executive. Q's Podcast Nation, let me tell you a little bit about the instructors that will be leading the Q's High Performing Board Digital Series. We'll be starting that in April of this year, 2021. We'll be starting with the topic of defining a high-performing board in leadership and governance, and it will be led by Dr. Michael Yusin, Professor of Management and Director of the Center for Leadership and Change Management at the Warden School of University of Pennsylvania. He's also author of The Leadership Moment, The Leader's Checklist, and co-author of Boards That Lead and Leadership Dispatches. And in July, we'll explore the future of board composition. The instructor will be Dr. Nancy Herbert. She's the CEO and founder of Board Sage LLC, a coaching consulting business with a focus on board governance. And in October, we'll be working on the topic of working as a board and as a team 
and they'll be led by Dr. Mario Masu, Professor of Executive Programs at the Wharton School of Business. He's also president of Musa Consulting, co-author of the book, Committed Teams, Three Steps to Inspiring Passion and Performance. He's also co-author of the book, The Art of Woo, Using Strategic Persuasion to Sell Your Ideas. And we're very excited to have Margaret Heffernan, Professor of Practice at the University of Bath School of Management, to serve as faculty for the topic of ethical decision-making in the boardroom in January of 2022. She's also lead faculty for the Ford Institute's Responsible Leadership Program. Margaret is the author of six books. Margaret's third book, Willful Blindness, Why We Ignore the Obvious at Our Peril, was named one of the most important business books of the decade by Financial Times. In April of 2022, we'll focus on the board's role in a winning strategy. Our instructor will be Dr. Stephen Morissette. He's a visiting professor of strategic management, Booth School of Business at the University of Chicago. Our sixth seminar, The Role of Boards in Moving from Strategy to Execution, will take place in July of 2022. Dr. Kathy Pearson will lead that session. She is an adjunct senior fellow at the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics at the University of Pennsylvania. She's also president of Enterprise Learning Solutions. Our seventh seminar is about enterprise risk management, and we're excited to have Anson Cooley serve as the lead faculty for that program. Anson Cooley is the founder and principal of Synergy Credit Union Consulting. And our eighth seminar will be led by Dr. Sekou Burmese. He's the associate professor of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill of the Kenan Flagler Business School, Strategy and Entrepreneurship. The topic he'll lead will be on organizational health and talent development. One registration fee covers every board member, including the board liaison, committee members, associate members, non-voting members, and the CEO. Series also offers a rolling registration, meaning boards can register at any point and take the series over the following two-year period, no matter when they start. Each registrant will get their own login, so uh, they don't need to meet in person to make the most of the program. Learning will happen via a combination of live Zoom meetings, interactive online discussions, audio recordings, videos, and independent study designed to provide practical experience and reflection. It will be a great opportunity for your board to build a stronger board and a stronger organization to support your members. It's also an opportunity, a very unique opportunity for you to network and have constructive conversations with like-minded individuals from a variety of different asset sizes from all over the world. Matt, we have a lot of lifelong learners listening to the show, to the Q's podcast. If they want to learn more about your work, I know a lot of them already know about your work, but they want to know more about your work. What is the best place to, to send them to? Yeah, I'm going to give you two recommendations. One is head over to my website, which is boardeffectiveness.ca. And that just sort of gives an overview of what I'm up to and provides a little bit of context. You can sign up for my newsletter, but it also will introduce you to that second piece, which is my newly launched podcast called One Minute Governance. And the... The origin of the podcast was I'm actually, I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm, I'm sorry, James, I know we're doing one right now and I know I'm talking about my own podcast, but I, I'm not much of a podcast consumer because generally speaking, I find them too long to be convenient for me. And and so I really, I thought how I've got all this stuff I want to say, and I know people listen to podcasts, but how can I do this in a format that I would listen to? And I thought, okay, well, I, I came up with a list of about a hundred ideas to start. 
And I said, why don't I just talk about each one of them one minute at a time? So what I've got, I'm approaching 30 odd episodes now. It comes out Mondays and Thursdays. And it's between 60 and 90 seconds about a topic that I find interesting and just trying to help people think of a new, a slightly different way to think about critical governance topics than they usually would. And they get all that in 60 to 90 seconds. So uh, please check it out. It's called One Minute Governance. And I can testify on your behalf. That's exactly what it's about. In just a short period of time, you have a critical issue. You provide perspective, often unique perspective. And then, you know, it's honestly more than a minute in terms of processing for the listener because you provide a forum for reflection. And I think that's kind of what you're aiming to do is just to provide that one minute, but then there's that reflection and, and opportunity for learn and growth and, and just having some fun conversations afterwards with your fellow board members. Yeah, thanks, James. You, the, anyone who knows me know, knows I've got this annoying tendency to avoid giving answers when it comes to, to governance. So really, I think, as you say, if there's if there's anything that you get from the podcast, it's, it's some new questions and new ways of asking questions that will help you explore these topics for yourself. Yeah, go ahead and check that out. That's a one-minute governance by Matt, new podcast. Uh, Matt, I want to thank you for your contribution to the greater learning community and spending time with our listeners. And we're also, of course, excited about your involvement as the academic director for the upcoming Q's High Performing Board Digital Series. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, James. Q's Podcast Nation, thank you so much for making this show part of your day. If you listen to this show and are not a board member, I'd love for you to share this episode with your entire board and your board liaison. The Q's Podcast is found in all major podcast directories. Just do a search, Q's Podcast, and episode 108. However, you can also find the show on our content-rich website, cumanagement.com. Just type in cumanagement.com slash podcast at this url you'll be able to listen to this show and all the other episodes you can access all the show notes as well thanks for sharing the show with others you can find out more information about the q's high performing board series by visiting q's.org hpb registration is now open if you're a q's member you have access to invaluable membership benefits to further enhance your development Visit cues.org slash membership to learn more. Cues is an international credit union association. Our mission is to educate and develop credit union CEOs, executives, directors, and future leaders. To learn how Cues can help you realize your potential, visit cues.org today. Thank you for making this program a continuous part of your personal professional development. Thanks for listening, Cues Podcast Nation. Make it a great day.